1: What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. I am one of your hosts, and my name is Alex Croson, and I am alongside, as always, Mr. Casey Clapp. That's me, good...
2: Morning. Good I always, morning. I never want to say good morning in case someone's listening to this at night.
1: Oh sure, it makes me
2: afraid that I'm going to make them feel out of place.
1: Oh, that's considerate.
2: Yeah, but you know what? You're you're in the right place.
1: How about this? In the right time. Good day.
2: I usually do that, but mm-hmm. I always like saying, uh, I, yeah, good day. I, no, 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 y- I don't
1: know. You usually say good day to you.
2: Yeah, exactly. Usually, it's an offensive goodbye
1: and a little voice. Yeah. Uh, hi, Case. Hi, Alex. How you doing? Doing all right. You uh, came over this morning. Yes. And you are leaving for a couple weeks here. By the time this comes out, you'll be back. Actually, yeah, that's fun, isn't it? For like several weeks at this Mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. And uh, you are, something people may not know as far as the structure of our business, you Mm -hmm. are in charge of shipping. Yes, that's right. uh, All the merch and the Cone of the Month Club stuff. Mm -hmm. So you're leaving for a couple weeks, you brought over all of the merch that I will need to to ship. You you showed me. You gave me a refresher and a rundown of everything you've learned about our shipping, our, our label printer, yep, and our uh, and complex how to, yes
2: machinations. And yeah,
1: for anyone who who has never shipped anything like professionally, oh my god, is it a fucking deal? Don't do it. Just yeah, don't just don't, do don't it. start. Um, but I feel very grateful that you 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 have spent so much time doing this that you have like a great workflow and you were able to, able to show me really efficiently how to do it
2: well i try i was honestly just uh trying to figure out how things go faster i don't like doing things like pointlessly slowly yeah sometimes people are like well that sometimes you got to do it slow Mm-mm. just to figure it out but no i like to do it get it done figure out the fastest most efficient way to yes. do it but do it right and well i also don't like people who just do things i don't it's not that i don't like them my method my method is like uh, if you do it too fast and it's sloppily done, you didn't do it. it yeah, just, it
1: wasn't correct. You got to do it right, and that will inevitably inevitably take more time because you'll goof mm-hmm. up. And you'll got to go back and fix stuff. And it's it exactly right. It adds more work.
2: There you go. So that's 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 the true lesson that we've learned here: mm-hmm. is that you should work slow and hard, but not smart. No. Yes, wait. Sm-
1: oh, shoot, you should work
2: smart at the right pace, so you don't work hard.
1: Don't work.
2: Don't work is what we're saying. <laughs> That's right, Alex. I'm happy for you to be taking over this for the next couple of weeks. I appreciate it. So does everyone who's buying all of our cool stuff. Yeah. We just got done with our pop-up sale uh, or we just are in the midst of it. So by the time you hear this, of course, uh, you will have had the chance <laughs> yeah, to buy uh, buy a bunch of cool cones.
1: Yeah. Now,
2: remember, if you want to get those right off the bat and not have to worry about being able to get in that pop-up sale or not, mm-hmm. you just got to jump on that wagon, get in the Cone of the Month Club on
1: Patreon.com. I'll say this about the Cone of the Month Club. Go for We're it. We're kind of wrapping up the year here. Yeah. We had such a good time making this Patreon. We only started this in february yeah february um it's been a lot of fun to deal with all these artists and the sticker people we use locally here in portland yeah uh if you can afford ten dollars a month for some fun just pleasurable activity Mm -hmm. i honestly think that the cone of the month club is like a pretty good deal and And i'm not saying that because i run it yeah i'm saying that because I object. To, I from uh, totally non-biased opinion. Mm-hmm. I think the Cone of the Month Club is pretty sick.
2: I think it's great. And th- I've, I've ha- I I've not had I I've not seen many other Patreons that offer like a a, a physical thing that comes out. You're just like yeah. oh extra episode like advanced this or that. And I'm like yeah. well it's nice to support it, but. I'll just wait a week before I get that new episode that drops out. Sure. In this case you get 2 episodes, which is, you know, pretty standard. You should always get a little more content. Mm-hmm. But man, oftentimes you don't get an actual like physically sent over thing.
1: Yeah. Exciting. It's it is exciting. And Casey, you know what else is exciting? Cones, real cones. Real cones. Uh, you fucked up my transition, uh, Meyer <laughs> Lemons.
2: Yes, it is, Alex. I have to. I I have a. I have a
1: confession. Uh oh.
2: I love fucking up your transitions.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> you know what? My transitions are your transitions. You're I my know, co-host, motherfucker. I know what
2: every time you just get there. <sighs> Uh, and then i just switch directions really fast that's so antagonistic
1: (laughs) no it's not
2: because it's fun it's fun to it's fun to make us always stay on our toes you know
1: you know helping me is helping you exactly i'll I'll say that hey and helping you no not exactly it's the opposite of what you're doing (laughs)
2: no it's not it's perfect alex i think this is making us both grow as a podcast
1: i think i think we should finally have that big fight that's been (laughs) boiling under the skin for a full year
2: there's some like uh, uh like psychologist who's just been like i can see it it's right yeah, there yeah. we're just waiting
1: for it well guess what not today today we are talking about a tree as we do every episode and this week's tree is the meyer lemon tree casey i love the scientific name for the meyer lemon
2: uh, yes yes
1: citrus x Myeri.
2: yeah, isn't that kind of fun? It almost, I mean, it obviously, it feels like an X-Men, like some kind of uh, um, what are they? They're mutants. Yeah, yeah. It kind of it, it, almost fits a little bit. It really does.
1: I'm I'm interested to hear more about that. And, and Casey, it yeah. also reminds me of like two artists collaborating. They always put yeah. an X in the middle. Oh, that's
2: right. Yeah, I totally. Yeah, that's like it's like a mashup.
1: This is a this is a mashup between citrus and Meyer. Yes,
2: that's uh, fantastic.
1: Casey, let's imagine as we do every episode. Yes, that you and I are walking through a lemon grove. How about that? Um, gorgeous and we are stunned in this i'm assuming it smells really good
2: it might yeah it does actually
1: uh casey let's id this tree
2: oh alex it is the tiniest tree we've done really period to the extent that someone might be like that's not a tree wow it's really just kind of a big shrub are you kidding? But it's usually single stemmed, and even in one of the books that I have pulled a lot of this information from that we're going to be talking about today, it is a tree. It's shown as a tree. It's yeah. single stem. It's a little tiny little thing. It's adorable, and I think that I think that it counts. I'm I'm counting this as as a tree, even though it does not meet the requirements. It wow. doesn't do it. See, it is
1: really short.
2: It's really short. I have things in here saying it's actually like maybe up to uh, what, like 10 feet tall is what wow. it says. So it's like, wait, wait, okay, 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 hold on, hold on. Only 10 feet tall, yet it is, it counts? And I'm like,
1: mm, yes, it's that single stem, right? It's the
2: single stem. I know. I know. So it's a single stem. It's a small tree. It's kinda like, okay, is a bonsai tree a tree? It doesn't meet those requirements. It just looks like one in miniature, right? Yeah. So it's like I you know, where are we gonna where are we gonna draw a line here? And because lines are you know, better left undrawn.
1: Mm. I'm gonna
2: call this a tree. And I'll explain why. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this photo. See?
1: Yeah, Casey's it's showing me a photo a of a uh, lemon tree. Well, it's yeah. an illustration. Yeah. It's a photo of an illustration. Exactly. Uh it's not a photo of no, an, illustration. Just a, just just an, an illustration. It's just
2: an illustration. which is by um Thebod Harum.
1: Yeah, and it is um it l- the way it's drawn on the page yeah. makes it look small. It does, It right? takes up about a quarter of the page.
2: Exactly. So it looks small, but it also looks like a tree. It does look know? like a tree. So that's that's what we're going to go with.
1: It looks a little bit Japanese maple
2: It kind of does, yeah, because they're like, you know, Japanese maple, small trees. So when you're looking at a little lemon tree or a big lemon shrub, mm-hmm. it will have a single stem that comes up and kind of has multiple new branches comes off and creates a little small globe of a canopy.
1: Mm. It's kind of
2: like a, take a cumulus cloud and stick it on a branches and pop it there. Cool. Turn it green though, evergreen specifically because these are tropical trees.
1: Oh, really?
2: Yeah, they're native. Uh, funny enough, and this is going to come back in a second. Just we're going to say South Southeast Asia. We're going to okay. start there as a broad broad area. Okay. It, they have uh, evergreen leaves. A lot of them have little little um, thorns that come out. Hmm. The leaves, um, in fact, lime leaves are very commonly used to make like. Um, curries and things like that that's right so those are like the really bright like bright lime green the color lime green really is like it's not the color of the uh of the fruit it's more the color of the actual leaves themselves
1: yeah these are really uh these are really straight up Dead ass simple leaves case. Yeah.
2: It's the it's the easiest way to do it. Yeah. Simple. They're alternate on the thing. They're very waxy. They're fragrant if you break into them.
1: Mm, do they smell like lemon?
2: They do, yeah. They smell wow. a little bit like lemon. At least they have they have like a little kind of citrusiness to them. Yeah. Um, which is fun because also, do you know what else smells like citrusy?
1: Oh, uh cedar
2: yes exactly yeah. Alex and do you know what's curious about that what the name citrus which is the genus <gasps> name for this don't actually comes from the same term wow Yeah, isn't that wild
1: that's a lot of fun yeah so
2: it's they they assume that they uh, that it was called that um, in like citrone um, if you take cedar and you change it from a uh, sea sound to a sound keter mm-hmm. that like is has the same root as uh, lemon, or rather, I'm sorry, it's citrus.
1: That's amazing. Isn't that
2: funny? Um, yeah, so they're these little tiny uh, adorable things, and then, of course, their flowers are these fragrant little white things, but they come out from, if you look up really quickly, um, the like a flower of a citrus plant. Got it right here. Look at the buds. Oh, there, there usually is like a little bud next to it.
1: It's like a little pink bud.
2: Exactly. It's like this gorgeous little like magenta-colored bud or like group of buds that come out. Yeah, And the stems also, I should note, are completely green. So the stems are green, the leaves are green, and then these flowers just pop out in these bright magenta colors with like white uh, as they come out and open up. Gorgeous.
1: Wow, you know what? This whole, uh, this whole color scheme is really working for me. <laughs>
2: you like it? Yeah. <laughs>
1: the green of the leaves, the white of the flowers, the yellow of the pistil... Mm, or stamen?
2: Yeah, with the flower parts, I guess. Yeah, it's it's a little close parts. to, I'm not seeing your your photo. But, and then the pink of yeah. the, the
1: kind of blush pink of the bud, and then yeah. the, the bright yellow of the lemon, my God.
2: Yeah, it's really nice. It's a
1: good looking tree.
2: Yeah, the outside, um, those little bits on the outside, those are the stamen putting out the um, the pollen. Mm-hmm. And then right in the very middle, that is the um, style and the anter, and that is what's actually taking in all of the uh, all the pollen, which then of course goes down into the ovary, creates a seed. The seed then starts to mature, and once it matures, the rest of that little fruit starts to mature. And guess what you get? Hmm. You get a lemon.
1: Oh right. <Psychikins>
2: bow, bow, <laughs> I was yeah, like, man. There, just, I tossed it up to you."
1: I mm. knew. Yeah, you oh, did. oh, it's not fun having somebody not alley oop, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh and it comes back this podcast is over it's not fun setting something <laughs> up and having it knocked down well at least
2: i knock it in a different direction oh alex god. you know what
1: we are fighting <laughs> oh my god we're this fighting. color sucks
2: <laughs> all right i apologize i will give in to you i didn't even do it on purpose i said (laughs) "Mm," as in purpose it was
1: a knowing "Mm." a lemon of course casey this this thing grows lemons
2: (laughs) it does i learned my lesson
1: i'm blushing me too (laughs) casey and i are so afraid of conflict
2: anywho you're right it's a lemon it is a lemon. It is more specifically um, a really fun a really fun term, uh, and this is I'm I'm super excited for this. Wow! It is what they call a hesperidium or a hesperidia.
1: <laughs> hesperidium. Yeah,
2: hesperidia. Okay. Yeah. So um, hesperid, hesperidium. I actually, I'm sorry. There's an i u m at the end.
1: Hesperidium.
2: Yes, hesperidium. H- hesperidium. hesperidium yeah oh, this hesperidium.
1: is this is unlistenable
2: yeah it is everyone's gonna be like is this on Re- is is this skipping Nope. it is not listening on a yeah. disc man <laughs> <laughs> so here's what's funny about it it is technically an a, a like very modified berry and wow. this is fun because it came up a while back we were talking about what exactly a berry is um what was it that we had discussed that was in fact a berry? A tomato. A tomato. But we also had another one of our trees. Cheese. Oh. Which tree was it, I hmm. asked you? Pomegranate. That was it, wasn't it? A pomegranate's yeah. a berry. Pomegranate is a berry. Okay. So the pomegranate as a berry is uh, it has, you know, all the fleshy bits on the inside and then the seeds just kind of dispersed within that area. Mm-hmm. So same thing for the uh, a hesperian, hesperidium. The difference being that the hesperidium, instead of being a berry, where you would normally like eat the outside. Of course, the pomegranate being a, a notable exception still. The hesperidium has a really thick rind. Where the different there's the exocarp, which is the outside, the mesocarp, and the endocarp. That's like the three layers on the mm. skin of the berry. Those are really, really huge and thick. Which of course we just call the the peel of the orange, or the peel of the lemon, or the rind and yeah, all that,
1: right? And the flesh.
2: Yeah, and the inside, like those little slivers of um, of fruit that we actually eat, those interestingly, are these, like, modified vesicles. And you know if you have an orange, vesicles are just, you know, uh, uh, tubes that grow inside plants. Okay. So, you know if you have an orange and you rip that, op- you, like, open the orange very gingerly and mm-hmm. you get one of those little slices. Oh, yeah. And then you take the skin off of oh, it. Yeah. And you look inside and you just see all these, like, really closely little, like, like tubes of, of
1: juice. Can I tell you something about that? Yeah. When I was a kid uh-huh. and we learned about cells, that everything's made of cells. Yeah. I thought that those little pulps, those little vesicles... Each one? Each one was a cell. Oh, my God! I thought I was like... I thought I was amazed because I was like, I thought they were supposed to be really tiny. I can see them. I can see them. Yeah, because they look like little cells. They
2: totally do. And that's honestly probably a really good way to visualize it for a kid. Except you want to be like, well, these are also made up of many different cells. Yeah. Honestly, I think that's a... I I bet you you are not alone in that. I was dumb. 100%. No, you certainly were not. Still am. Anyway... What's fun about those is that they're actually modified hairs. Those are hair cells. Why? They then get fill up with Jesus. i don't love that <laughs> i Casey, knew you wouldn't this
1: is a wasp and the fig situation it totally that sucks. is yeah that sucks but Why? they
2: but they're they're are different kinds of they're not you know they're they're not exactly hairs <sighs> well mean, you don't eat a eat an orange or a lime or a lemon and just be like oh god i feel like i just have like all this right you know what i mean they're, they're called cilia which is a um the it's like the technical term you know like you we were looking at um a magnolia Yeah, i was just
1: gonna say like the on the bottom of a magnolia yes Exactly. Okay. So they're just these
2: little tiny, like tiny little growths that come out it just so happens these growths on the inside got big and filled with juice wow yeah so they that is the little juicy bit they're technically these little like hair bits all
1: right i don't even th- i don't think you could ruin citrus for me ah, i love it good. too much
2: i don't want you to because i think they are delicious and we're coming up on uh, when they really start get That's to get right. uh, good over down in the uh, down in, uh, florida
1: boy oh boy I'm excited for citrus season oh my
2: gosh so good but you know what is really interesting about this what is that citrus season anywhere is all the time so i don't know why they are specifically good in florida i have an idea though okay so you know how you have limes that are green lemons that are yellow oranges that are the color orange Mm -hmm. right okay so what if i told you that lemons actually would remain green all the time unless there was a little bit of a cold temperature and then they change colors
1: interesting
2: that is a real thing which is just so fascinating to me and i had no idea and i was very very curious why does why how this happens why this happens It turns out, um, as I was saying to you earlier, uh, when kind of was like, here's what we're going to talk about, Mm -hmm. um, the lemon tree, the Meyer lemon, that X in there, that means that it's a hybrid. Right. So, it is actually hybrid from a bunch of other different kinds of citrus, specifically three species, that's it, three different species that all interbred and then were made into hybrids then those hybrids were then crossed with other normal species again and then they slowly became this really wild like triangle of these three species and then all the different varieties how they've been intergressed and crossed and then recrossed so that everything's a hybrid nobody knows where the very first citrus fruit and lemon came from
1: it's like a messy thruple situation it
2: is yeah quickly go into our show notes I have to show you something all right so this will hopefully be posted um, or of course if you go to the wikipedia page which is where i found this it is great now the second paragraph click on the click here
1: one moment meyer lemon yeah there you go the second paragraph click here yeah okay
2: does that show you a really cool triangle
1: i see a triangle called the hybridization in citrus cultivars
2: exactly nailed that yeah well done so if you look at that really closely, you can see on the very top of that triangle oh, is wow. C reticulata.
1: True mandarins. And then
2: on the bottom left is the pomella, yeah. which is C maxima. Wow. Bottom right is is Cedrus medisa or medica. Citrons. Exactly. Citrone is how I've been pronouncing Citrons. it. I don't know if that's right or not. Okay. And oh my then, god. Look in the middle, Alex. So okay. We're going to try to post this by the way, so everyone you can see what we're talking about.
1: Let me try to describe it. Please. So imagine like a character creation screen in an RPG and there's a triangle and like on the top, it's like muscular. And then on the bottom left, it's like uh, sh- short, right? And on the bottom right, it's like uh, feminine or masculine. And you get to, you get to put your little dot where you want it yeah and and choose and choose like the perfect hybrid of these three traits
2: exactly you can move it be really this or really that but yeah. then if you do that then you're less one thing and less the other thing you know
1: yeah so a if you're
2: right in the middle of that triangle correct me alex then that's like the the exact average of all those the things the vitruvian man it's the vitruvian yeah. lemon
1: <laughs> yes yeah so you know halfway between pomelos and true mandarins here's a grapefruit or a little closer to pomelo yeah uh, which makes sense when I think about it. Yeah, uh, right? Lemons exist somewhere between true mandarin and citrons, and then a little to the left.
2: Yeah, and citrons or citrons are like these really wacky, like super, um, really super thick rind lemons where they turn yellow, but they have like this really thick kind of warty looking outside.
1: This this is actually fascinating, isn't it? Great. Please look at this. We'll put it on the Instagram post for this for this episode.
2: Yeah. And so I was like, this is stunning. And it shows like there's the Meyer lemon almost right in the middle. The normal lemon, I say normal, just the non Meyer lemon is right next to it. And then there is, as you go up towards the true mandarins, there's like a bunch of wacky, like it looks like there's six or seven different species or kinds. You go a little bit away from the true mandarins towards the pomelos and you get a, a clementine. Wow. Sweet oranges are right between the pomelos and the true mandarins. And it's like this wacky thing. So all these hybrids have been going on for thousands of years, Alex. So when I was like, this isn't even a tree. Oh, no, we can't do this. I was like, hold on. I think we actually can Mm -hmm. because this is just a hybrid- intermixed with something else to the point where there's no real, they're all kind of the same thing. So when you describe a lemon, all you're doing is talking about a some cultivated variety of lemons, maybe it's a hybrid, maybe it's not, that has been cultivated for a long time. The one that is the Myers lemon was a cultivar initially done in China, most mm. likely. And then it- just grew well there and it had these little tiny um, fruits that have really thin skin and are really juicy. They're a little bit sweeter hmm. than the other lime or other lemons that would be citrus limon.
1: Wow. And
2: because there's a little bit of a temperature change in this area of China, they go from green to green to lemon you go down to ecuador uh-huh. and they don't have any changes in temperatures you grow a lime there or in mexico just about anywhere and they just say oh it's a limon and you're like oh this is does not look like a lemon but i'm pretty sure that's what limon means if you're saying it in spanish yeah and you look at it, it's just a green thing you open it up and you bite into it it's clearly a super sour awful lemon interesting but it's just because it doesn't change color So depending on where you are, depending on what you have, depending on if you've grown it a certain cultivar or a certain hybrid or a certain back thing, Mm -hmm. you can have a Meyer lemon or you can have a citrone or you can have a sweet orange and all these other things. They are boiled down three or from these three different trees, the citrone, the pomelo, and the true mandarin.
1: That's wacky and kind of mind-blowing. Kind of mind-blowing, yeah. Casey, we have so much more to say about the Meyer lemon. But we're going to have to say it after the break. We'll be right back. With more completely arbitrary coming at you.
0: Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shana's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
1: Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary Casey. During the break, you and I inhaled some delicious pho.
2: That's right, we did. It was not only delicious, it was s- splendid. Wow. I couldn't think of the word I wanted.
1: I, I was gonna say it was very satisfying. Yeah, I was thinking nutritious. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. Uh mecca mecca pho in Portland. Ah, uh, go you, to it. If you have or mecca restaurant, I think they're called. Um pho, the official meal of completely arbitrary, I would say.
2: I think so, yeah. We should have an advertisement for pho.
1: Let's do it. Also during the break case. I did a little Googling. I Googled Meyer Lemon, and then I saw that the Meyer Lemon, also known as, and then about four Chinese characters. Yeah. I copy and pasted those Chinese characters into Google. Yep. I got a translation. The Bergamot, or Bergema, bergamo, possibly, orange. Yes. You told me. Yeah. Alex, you should say that on the podcast.
2: I did. Here I am saying it. I'm happy that you did.
1: Are we going to talk about it later, though?
2: Uh, no, we can talk about it. Well, yeah, we'll kind of talk about it. Just about it. It'll come up again very soon. Okay. So basically, what you've done is you, um, in it, whenever you read about these things, um, you in like we do in the podcast here, we're talking about trees that have been quote discovered by somebody, right?
1: Right. <clears throat> As
2: I noted earlier, the uh, the Meyer limit had been cultivated for. Likely thousands of years, surely a thousand years or maybe two, but very likely way more than that. I think there are some things uh, that were going back 4,000 years, some even more than that, in terms mm. of the lemon being cultivated, um, which would also explain how it can be, you know, so many different varieties and kinds like this. Yeah. Um, so that is the. The quintessential thing is that what you found is that everyone's like, well, yeah, technically, you know, it's named for this crazy guy that we've talked about just maybe once or twice named uh, uh,
1: Oscar Meyer.
2: Oscar Meyer. <laughs> named Frank Nicholas Meyer, Alex. Ah, okay. And Frank Nicholas Meyer, we've talked about once before because he found one thing that we find quite despicable and that we dislike him for greatly. The calorie pear.
1: Oh, yes. He, now that name yeah. ringles a bell in my brain. Sure
2: does. So this guy, he was... This really interesting interesting character. He was a plant explorer in. Uh, he was from initially the Netherlands, and he moved over from uh, from Europe after wandering around for a really long time, which is a really interesting. It's kind of. I was reading about him, and I was a little bit sad because I was like, "Man, this guy really has kind of got himself." he was a little bit sad he was a wanderer is the mm. best way to describe it which works out well if you're trying to do plant exploration right
1: I will say this guy looks like a fucking hipster
2: yeah he kind of has that mustache
1: and this beard Gorgeous. and he just looks like, in his hat and his clothes
2: like kind of oversized but it's like you don't need the coat that big yeah he's yeah. going thrifting yeah he totally is and <laughs> that's yeah that's the song that he was like he's listening to on his uh, his stenoscope or mm-hmm. stenophone mm-hmm. <laughs> while he's just in his cabin <laughs> Ah, uh, timeless, timeless Macklemore. <laughs>
1: Oh, that song! <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: that's the uh, I was thrift like, shop. What song? <laughs> oh, sorry, I thought that's the reference.
1: No, he just looks like he's going thrifting.
2: Yeah, right. And honestly, he's he's a thrifty guy. You got to be thrifty if you're trying to travel the world like this. In fact, right. he's so thrifty. I saw. Um, uh, I just give him a quick Google, and in fact, you can actually find um, a a history of Frank Meyer, uh, like a, a couple quick blurbs from the USDA Forest. Or uh, geez, I always say Forest Service at the end of that. Not that. This is the OG USDA da the department of agriculture okay so they hired him when he came back because he had wandered through europe for a long time and in fact here's a quote he said i am pessimistic by nature and have not found a road which leads to relaxation (laughs) i withdraw from humanity and try to find relaxation with plants i live now in expectation of what will come
1: that was in 1901. Lord, this yeah. guy was depressed.
2: He totally was depressed. Like, there's another, yeah. uh, so on this, uh, the USDA website, they kind of give his, uh, um, a little quick blurb. He's like, oh, well, he was a plant explorer and um, all these things. He moved from the Netherlands and blah, 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 And mm-hmm. then, so in uh, in in uh, the bottom of this, there's a little thing that says proposal, and it's his proposal for his last Um, expedition where he sends it to um his boss by a guy by the name of fairchild and so he said hey here's i want to go to uh um, south china and i want to explore you know whatever they have there and then underneath they have a bunch of other like little quotes and how much he said he's going to propose i I need you to give to me so Mm -hmm. he's very thrifty he was going to go for an entire year to explore southern china on a budget of six thousand dollars
1: Wow. That's it. I was expecting a lot less, I think, because I was, I was like, what would be so ridiculously low? Like oh. 20, $24. Yeah.
2: Well, this is in 1916, <clears throat> $17. Dollars.
1: Wow.
2: Yeah. And, but then, so interestingly, they have also a bunch of different quotes from him, and um, just from all this things that he wrote. And so mm-hmm. one of them, he's, this is from uh, the 3rd of February, 1917. The loneliness of life, the great amount of work I have to do, which I can never finish, the paralyzing effect of this never-ending horrible war and so many other things; these often rob me of my sleep and make me feel like a ship adrift.
1: Yeah, man, I get, I feel that.
2: Yeah, I was reading through this, and I was like, dude, this guy—he had some, he had some demons. Like he just was discontented and un- unhappy. Yeah. So depression, I think, is 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 the the best word for poor poor Frank Meyer.
1: He sounds like a very real person.
2: Yes, he totally does. Like reading through this, it's not like oh, the historical journals of you know Lewis and Clark, where they're always like, "We found this place; it's great. There's yeah. resources." of the people will be happy
1: this guy is just like life is pain yeah we might as well hang out in the woods yeah i'm just
2: gonna look at these lemons and squeeze them in my eye
1: but even there i find no joy
2: yeah right so i'll oh, we'll, we'll have a uh, links to this uh posted but please read read through some of these things it's it's very sad but he is um, he, he is—he's a great guy. He went on four, I think, expeditions in the early 1900s for the USDA Forest Service. Four different ones? I think four, yeah. Okay. And he ended up going around, finding all these things, and so he found this uh, you know—this lemon that we then named after him. Mm-hmm. We then learned that, okay, it's the Myers lemon, but it's a hybrid apparently between the citrone and the pomelo and all these things. So we were able to kind of figure this out later. Um, but it just so happens that... As he was looking around and like the Wikipedia articles talking about this, they have a whole other section. A whole other section. This says also this was probably in cultivation for a long time, and here's the name of it in Chinese oh. because it was in China they found it. So it, like that's where you bringing this up, like those Chinese characters. Essentially, he was not, in the strict sense, a colonialist, mm-hmm. but he was there trying to find things that were already in existence, already crops, already well used by the people of this area, and then bringing it over to the United States so that we could use that to our advantage.
1: It it sounds a bit, maybe this is just plant exploring 101, but yeah. it sounds a bit like the person who, I'm putting this in air quotes, yeah. discovered the um, Don Redwood...
2: Yeah, kind of. It Didn't was it uh, yeah. sort of
1: have this a, a similar trajectory.
2: Yeah, they were around looking. I think so. Gosh, I wish I could remember who that was. That's been so long ago mm. now. Oh my god,
1: we talked about it. I think in our Don Redwood episode.
2: Yeah, I think we did. Yeah, I think all. I think. I, oh gosh, well that's a bummer. I can't remember. I can't anyway. No biggie. So um, ended up being that he. Um, uh, went out there and was he found like alfalfa and like a bunch of other uh, kinds of sorghum. They were trying to find varieties that could grow in the western United States, like all these different kinds of varieties of already well-known plants so that we could then plant them over here and then, you know, add them to the market, right? I see. So, uh, you know, it, I don't think there was any like stealing <clears throat> going on necessarily. Yeah, no.
1: I mean, that's a little, that's that's a gray area, It is, I yeah.
2: I think he would say, hey, can I have these? And they're like, sure, you can take them. Sure. The only thing, actually, he could not get was um, poppy seeds, where he also has another oh. quote. It says, you probably know that poppy cultivation has been totally prohibited in all China. And then <clears throat> poppy seed, this is in um, italics, poppy seed is absolute contraband for which farmers have been beheaded who had it in their possession.
1: Wow. <laughs> so
2: someone's like, hey, hey, could you go get some, some poppy seed? Yeah. And, and everyone's like... He's like, "Um, you should know. Of course, I cannot get poppy seed.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Not worth it.
2: Yeah. So uh, anyway, as it turns out, the poor guy ended up falling off a boat under auspicious circumstances.
1: Was this in the Amazon or the no. Nile or something? No, this
2: is in the uh, the Yangtze River in
1: China. Didn't somebody else die on a boat? Oh another probably. plant explorer? I feel
2: like this might have been the guy. I, I think, think all these yeah. people
1: are the same person. They reincarnated.
2: All, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they die in a pit trap, they die on a you know, off of some mountainside, or they just completely disappear in a river.
1: Yeah. Who knows? I think I think Maybe it was this guy. We talked about somebody at one point who died of uh, uh, curious circumstances on a boat. So th- yes. it must have been Frank. It Meyer. It
2: must have been, yeah. So poor Frank Meyer had a had a difficult life, died a sad death. That no one, no one was, you know, there's no fanfare for him. So Jeez. it's another sad one. <laughs> but that's okay because I, <laughs> he introduced like I think twenty three thousand species or twenty three hundred. I will.
1: I'll say this. Good thing this fucking thing is named after him. Yeah,
2: exactly. (laughs) He deserved it. He does. He absolutely deserves it. So he's, I mean, he brought in a bunch of different species that we still grow today, which are incredible.
1: Imagine if a colleague was like, hey, thanks, Frank, for finding this. Uh, yeah, definitely, we're gonna name it after you. And then uh, Frank walks away, dies, and the colleague <laughs> is like, hmm, oh. "Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll name it after myself. Yeah, I'm
2: gonna name it after my girlfriend. <laughs> She's way hotter. Maybe I'll finally get laid." Ah, <laughs> oh, poor Frank. Well, the good news is, as we said earlier, and I wanted to make sure to circle back to Alex, um, this tree, this plant, this fruit was known to everybody else way before.
1: Of course. so All, he, all things are. That is the, that is the right? motto of this podcast. All
2: things. All things known. were known. Yeah. So this, luckily, was known way before his time. Specifically, it was traded like through Persia. And um, initially, they think from the southeast Himalayas. That's okay. where like OG citrus is from. Or like at least the citrone, I believe. Would
1: they would they, they would be they would be selling they would be like trading the tree or the fruits I think or both. both maybe prob- the seeds. seeds yeah those yeah. are more, more shelf stable
2: yeah exactly because these um they will stay green and just start to rot right on the tree yeah unless you pick them and eat them like when they're absolutely ripe
1: oh they'll, ro- they'll rot on the tree I guess all yeah. fruits would
2: exactly well some don't some like uh would harden and then fall off the tree when they're mature I see but this specifically the lemons and the, uh, the citrus grater they will just stay on the tree and just kind of wither away
1: so probably best to sell seeds
2: exactly that's yeah. an
1: investment though man it
2: really is you gotta wait you gotta plant it you gotta uh-huh. let it become a big thing and then you gotta hope that your soil and climate are right yeah just stay of, in a lot of one risk. place yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> That sucks. Yeah. I feel like a lot of these people were farmers, though, so maybe they didn't have to worry about that. That's fair. Yeah. Well, either way, made it made all the way to, to Rome, made it over into uh, North Africa. It was up in the Mediterranean, wow. it was over in all the way down through the Southeast Asian islands, and like went with um, the Australasian people, which are from initially Taiwan and then kind of moved down to everywhere except Australia. Huh. Like got almost everywhere else. And this is, like, there's been multiple different migrations like this. But this is one of them. They even went all the way out to Hawaii because they were the first peoples that invented, like, um, big seafaring boats and oh, things. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm catamarans, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So this is the classic, like, um, you know, Oceana, Oceana kind of exploration and migrations. Cool. So the lime and the lemon and whatever you want to call it got moved all over this area, grew really great. And then people would trade it, like, overseas every now and then, right? Mm. People started noticing, man, scurvy sucks.
1: Sure. You've heard of scurvy, right, Alex? Yeah, you know what's funny? I know I, I have, like... I feel like a great familiarity with the word scurvy, and I know it's like a it's a seafaring disease, and it's ah, tied to yeah. pirates.
2: It, uh, but I
1: actually d- don't. I guess it's a deficiency, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Vitamin C, vitamin C
2: deficiency. Oh, wow, it
1: fucks up your gums. It does a lot of bad stuff. Oh my god, you're gonna lose your teeth on scurvy. Well, let's, yeah. let's talk about scurvy. All case, right. So, unfortunately, so
2: scurvy is a pretty rough disease, and it is um, at the time oh. no one really knew what it is. I, I know what you're looking Can at. Can I just say I have an idea?
1: I would. Di- I would. Anybody who has an interest in googling Google image searching <laughs> scurvy don't i took that bullet for you i can tell you it's not worth it don't do it it's rough it's gruesome yeah it's really bad it's really bad yeah
2: and people just die really quickly and essentially what's happening is the deficiency of vitamin c makes it so that you can't grow i think um collagen anymore so your cells just start to either die or they can't repair themselves and you can't make new ones so your your body just doesn't rot necessarily Ugh. it's just like you can't rebuild what you lose or fix what's damaged
1: that's like a zombie disease it
2: is yeah and that's why your gums it's not your teeth it's just your gums it's those those cells mm. and you get like sores and wounds and all these things and then you end up dying because it's also all of your internal organs and things
1: I hope I didn't I didn't offend anybody who uh, I'm sorry for saying that it was a zombie disease somebody oh. Somebody out there might be close to someone who had scurvy and it that was is awful. true. Yeah,
2: it's not good. But um, yeah, it's, I didn't it mean it to
1: minimalize like it, like it by calling it the zombie disease.
2: Well, that's true, Alex. And so Yikes. hopefully no one has it because it turns out it is imminently treatable. That's right. And guess who figured this out for the first time?
1: Ooh.
2: Our second interesting character of this show, oh. one man named James
1: Lind. James Lind. That's right. He that's sounds the guy. like a, an explorer. Is he was an explorer? Yeah, he
2: was actually. He was a little bit of an explorer though. He wasn't... Uh, Um, He wasn't so much of a classical explorer. He was actually a physician and was a Scottish physician. I think he was in Edinburgh and then ended up getting on a couple different boats. And what's famous about him is that he... Technically, I believe they 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 give him credit for conducting the first ever clinical trial.
1: Oh, wow. And I think
2: you might have read this one time when we were kind of doing research about this. Yeah. Um, but essentially, he was on a boat and he was making all these observations. One observation was that they would get sick. And of course, there's an article that we have... Um, uh linked here and it's on the bbc and if you look at it they uh they give a little bit of a description of what they were calling scurvy mm-hmm. and they say that it's a luxuriance of funguous flesh putrid gums and the most dreadful terrors fuck yeah it's awful <laughs> and so the- will you
1: read that one more time
2: i will hold on put the music on go luxuriance of fungous flesh putrid gums and the most dreadful terrors
1: that was really that was even better with the music
2: yeah but this is what it is apparently there was uh one instance i shouldn't laugh it's just kind of like oh man that's crazy that there was a a british expedition that went to go just raid a bunch of uh spanish holdings Mm. and they lost 1300 of their 2000 men to
1: scurvy before they got there before
2: they even got there
1: Oh, my God. Is it, well, scurvy contagious? It, sh- surely no. no.
2: it's not contagious. It just happens because humans, uh, along with, I think, guinea pigs and uh, some apes or monkeys, one of the two, uh-huh. they cannot uh, create their own uh, vitamin C just in their own bodies. So rats, almost every other animal wow. will create, um, synthesize their own vitamin c within their bodies
1: so they're on the sea journey uh they are they're eating hardtack the whole time yeah and, and shitting in buckets ale
2: you know things yeah. like that
1: they all weren't getting enough vitamin c they weren't
2: getting any vitamin c yeah oh
1: my god so then
2: they just get this their bodies literally start falling apart they start to die mm. it gets really awful so this guy james lind is like okay we gotta we gotta get this figured out and i'm gonna i'm gonna conduct this thing i'm gonna figure it out here's what i'm gonna suggest you're gonna take Twelve different men, all similar symptoms of scurvy, and he divided them into six pairs and treated them with these: the following, a quart of cider a day, okay, and this would probably be uh, alcoholic cider. To be clear,
1: yeah, sure.
2: Twenty-five drops of elixir of vitriol, which is uh, administered three times a day, and uh, vitriol is a is a diluted solution of sulfuric acid. <laughs> <laughs> then otherwise the next one is half a pint of seawater a day
1: you know he was he was doing the best he could <laughs> he's
2: just trying he's throwing something at the wall and seeing what would stick
1: <laughs> oh my god
2: a nutmeg size of uh, paste of garlic mustard seed horseradish balsam and or balsam of peru and gum merch tr- three times a day the other th- two, a spoonful of vinegar three times a day, mm-hmm. or two oranges and one lemon a day.
1: The lucky winners.
2: <laughs> By the end of the week, those who had the citrus fruit were well enough to even help nurse the others. Amazing. One week, and they completely turned around because wow. they started getting this vitamin C that was in the citrus fruits.
1: So, what, you know, all of those treatments yeah. are so random
2: Absolutely.
1: So the citrus was just at a random pick by this man. That's essentially. Do you reckon he had any hypothesis involved?
2: There, there had been a couple people before this that had kind of said, "Man, these lemons are like really—they're good. They they give
1: me a zing in my. They're kind of this, yeah.
2: But it is—it's essentially food as medicine, Alex. Like like we've talked about a bunch of different times, right? this is just some weird fruit that has this weird zingy taste that we didn't even really know what acid was at the time. Sure, But it had this weird, like very, very in your face zing. So you'd eat it and you're like, woo, Ooh, rah, Ooh. Yeah. Mm. Kind of get woken up. That's right. And then apparently he's like, okay, this must be, this must have some medicinal properties. Let's just give it to him and see what happens.
1: Cause you were saying, uh, I think on our nutmeg episode that, when humans try a food Mm -hmm. that is in any way like has a has an extreme flavor or some property that catches their senses Mm -hmm. that that is sort of uh that is sort of like a sign that we've developed to denote something that could be used medicinally
2: yeah exactly
1: so of course citrus is like I mean, it's like a shot in the arm. Citrus yeah. is so so good, and it like really wakes you up and makes you feel really good. It does, right? Unless you're allergic to it, then yeah. It kills in which
2: you. case, sorry, don't don't eat it.
1: It gives you scurvy. It That's turns the out the weird that-
2: part. <laughs> Whoa, um, yeah. You're exactly right, and and keep in mind that this is like you know in the 1700s. I think he did this in like 17. 17- Six seventy something 1747 is when he did this okay so but this is at a time when um the the level of knowledge in terms of certainly the western knowledge of like what is causing these things and like how the body works um was so poor that they said well what is scurvy and where these things happen They used to say you should take, and this is all from this article that we were going to have posted, (laughs) he said um, they would do some bloodletting and apply a piece of turf to the patient's mouth in order to counter the, quote, bad qualities of sea air. So this is, (laughs) you got to play it all by some level here. So him choosing citrus is about as random as taking some turf, literal grass, rubbing it on your mouth to try to counteract the sea air because the turf is on the ground. You know, (laughs) he was trying his best. He was trying his
1: best. (laughs) They were on the right track. I mean, thank God they included that fucking citrus in that. Right. And then Um, the other option would be, you
2: know, it was in all of these islands and it had been brought back from these islands from the Portuguese and the Spanish Explorer. So it might have been like, well, these seafaring people don't get scurvy because Uh. they live on these islands. They have these fruit. Okay. It must be that these fruit help with this thing because they don't have it.
1: Casey, Coincidence
2: and a little maybe. I I, th-
1: I think you're onto something. I also, I, I'm, I'm looking at uh, a ni- a 1757 paper yeah. written by James Lind. Yeah. Can I read the title of this thing? Oh, you may. Do you, do you see that too? I think so. A treaty on the scurvy in three parts containing <laughs> an inquiry into the nature, causes, and cure of that disease together with a critical and chronological view of what has been published on the subject by James Lind, M.D.,
2: by James Lind.
1: Fellow of the Royal College of Physicians in Edinburgh.
2: There he is. That's uh, a murder
1: yeah so he wrote i guess he wrote a paper on how to treat scurvy short yeah. paper <laughs> a very short paper actually
2: i think it was like 250
1: pages oh wow
2: and of it it took like a couple pages where he talked about the cure yeah and then 250 other pages of other kind of treatment ideas yeah you. So, yeah that yeah. makes
1: that makes uh... he
2: didn't make as good of a conclusion as he maybe should have <laughs>
1: but, oh well. james it was right in front of you my yeah. guy
2: but then, over the years, God bless him. Over the years, everyone uh, has finally said, "Oh shoot, this really works." And yeah. then they would start literally just shipping them around as much as they could. They became super important. People would grow them way up in the north of Europe because it was a it was a, you know a fancy thing to have an orangey is what they called it. <laughs> and so they would grow citrus in like these glass houses that they would keep warm mm. and everything. So it got pretty wild up there, that's for sure.
1: I will say, this is anecdotal. Before we get into our review, this is anecdotal. Yeah. But last winter, I became kind of obsessed with eating different citrus. Yeah. Um, And I I live across the street from a nice uh, market, Mm -hmm. and I would go every single day and get a different... Either a, either a navel orange, which I think is just my favorite. They're so good. It's just such a classic. It is. It's or sweet. another, you know, a little, a little, some sort of mandarin or yeah. some sort of other orange or whatever.
2: Okay. Well, it's one of the seven mandarins.
1: That's right. There are about thirty species of <laughs> uh, citrus on that chart. Um, and at one point, the entire top shelf of my fridge was was stocked with oranges. Delicious. And twice a day, I'd crack open an orange. Casey, I felt great
2: see you know what but there's also like the sugars and things i mean who knows maybe it could just be bring fruit from uh from sunnier warmer climes up yeah. to the cold climbs and then it uh, makes you feel better as if you're getting that vitamin d or something sure i don't know
1: casey with that let's get into our review of the meyer lemon boy oh boy here's how it's gonna go we're gonna give some final thoughts on this tree and then give it a rating of zero to ten, golden poems of honor. Yes, for season four, completely arbitrary plant-based diet. Diet. Casey, as our resident expert, we will begin with you. All
2: right, that sounds good. One thing I'm happy
1: about with this. How about this, Casey? Oh, yes. As our, as our, uh, as our resident um, ship doctor. Ah, you're like Bones.
2: Yeah, that's right.
1: Or uh, <laughs> what, Crusher? <laughs>
2: I don't know. Dr.
1: Crusher from Next Generation.
2: Yes, that sounds exactly right. I have no idea what you're talking about. Star Trek. Star Trek. Oh, gosh. This is a tree that I think is, um, I mean, of all the medicinal trees or all the trees that have these qualities, the pomegranate, everyone's like, oh, it's fertility. And it doesn't really do anything Mm. for fertility. It just maybe gets you a little turned on, get ready for some fertility action. Sure. The nutmeg, it gets you a little wild, you know, and you kind of feel like you're floating for a little bit, you know. Well- of all the trees that I think we've chosen so far, this is the one that truly has, like, some actual, some bona fides, you know? For sure. The lemon tree actually saves lives.
1: It sure does. You
2: give it out there, and of all the other kinds of citrus, um, it has one of the top most- for a while, the English were making people drink um, uh, or eat limes, and they actually called their sailors limeys, apparently, for oh, a yeah. long time. You remember this? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, way back when, when you were a sailor. I remember yeah. this, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that you know, it's cool. I think that the lemon itself... Has solved so many problems. I wish scurvy on nobody. Mm. I love that it's a pirate-themed thing, you know? It's kind of fun to be like, "Oh, scurvy, and kind of make fun of it. Yeah. But then know that we had people like James Lind to save us from ourselves. Yeah. And we had people like Meyer to find it and spread it across the world because it was so gosh-dang good. Mm-hmm. So... The one problem is, as we say with all these things, there's just, it's too, it's there's a, it's not a tree, Alex. It doesn't grow really tall, you know? What? It's, it's a little tree. It's a little tiny tree.
1: Is it a tree or not a tree? It's basically. a tree, but
2: it's a little tiny tree. Right. And if we're going to say that they're all one big interbreeding population with mm-hmm. just different things, like the cucuba, pepipo, pepo, cucuba pepo, pumpkins, pumpkins, gourds, they're all the same thing. It's the same species, just different varieties, just like the brassica. So, if I'm going to review one, I'm essentially reviewing them all. Isn't that kind of we Isn't that right? Yeah. So, if I say, well, this is just one version of this citrus triangle, so okay. anything within that triangle could be anything within that triangle.
1: You're saying this episode is sort of like 30 episodes. It's
2: kind of like 30 episodes, so, so we, we might
1: we might ge- we might have a break coming up.
2: We're going to have a big break, approximately three quarters of a year. <laughs> yeah, because right now we're reviewing every citrus there is. How about
1: that, folks? That's value for money. That's
2: value for money.
1: This is a free podcast.
2: I. <laughs> So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna try and focus it on the on the lemon itself. Okay. I think it's delicious. I like squirting it. I like making lemonade. I like finding them when I go down to California and being like, oh my gosh, I can do this right now. I can like make something with this immediately. Yeah. I think that's. Awesome. Um, I like that it is a really beautiful tree. I love that it saves lives. And I think it's just such a unique little thing to have that it grows fruit all year round. You can just walk outside in the middle of January if you're in, I don't know, Southern California and be like, mm, mm, lime tree. Yeah. That's yeah, great. I think that's really fun. So, I think for this one, whew, I think I'm going to go with like, I mean, okay, so I'm trying to compare. i like, what did I give mango? I mean, <clears throat> mango is, mango, I mean, it's a, it's what, it's got those uh, those ornery seeds, doesn't it? Yeah. So, uh, you know, this doesn't. You can take these seeds anywhere, grow them anywhere. I'm going to give it uh, 7.6. 7.6? 7.6 for the lemon tree, the Meyer lemon tree, citrus cross Meyer, or eh, citrus cross, you know, anything you want.
1: All right, not a bad score. Not a bad score, but a delicious drink. 7.6 Golden Poems of Honor. Good job, Case. Um, The Meyer Lemon. I love the appearance, as I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful tree, great color scheme. It's got that going for it. That's one. Two, Frank Meyer, hilariously sad character. God bless him. Wherever you are, Frank, I'm thinking about you. Uh, I feel I feel very connected to Frank Meyer in a way. When you when you were reading his uh, when you were reading when his diary, uh, isn't that fucked up of us? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, ah, he he doesn't mind. He, no, these are these are letters that he sent over to different things.
1: Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, especially that he's writing in like formal letters to his employee, yeah. his employers like, <laughs>
2: I'm really sad, Life Frank. Life is pointless. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, just make sure you bring back those seeds, Frank. Really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah.
1: Sorry I can't come into work today. I'm really depressed. <laughs> yeah,
2: I'm, I'm looking at the side of a boat. <laughs>
1: um, I, I love that. I love that guy. Uh, unless he was a, uh, uh secretive monster. Then I, don't, I don't, yeah. Let's just assume not. I would love to. Uh, and then we got James Lind over here, changing history. Yep. Like, what a small discovery with such huge ramifications. Amazing, yeah. right? Just like, hey, eat an orange. Oh, my God. I am cured. Amazing. Uh, you know, way to go. Um, and then, as far as the food itself, I, I eat, on average, I would say almost a lemon a day, Casey. Uh, really? That I'm, many? I put it in my water. I put it in my ice oh, water. Oh, yeah. Uh, it cleans out your systems and mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and kind of flushes what's the stagnant. I don't know any of this is true, but I believe that it does this. Yeah, I always feel better when I eat something with lemon. I think th- I think there's a thing to it. I mean, it, James it, Lynn certainly thinks so. Right,
2: you get extra vitamin C. You can get yourself. Uh, I mean, you're you're you feel better because you're actively supporting the rebuilding of your body.
1: Yeah, there you have it. Citrus, in mm-hmm. general, gets a 10 out of 10. Ooh. It's one of my favorite food categories. Oh, my
2: God. I didn't know it was that high. I guess I should have. Your whole shelf was covered. Okay. That's right. All right.
1: All right. I'm giving the Meyer lemon a 9.1. 9.1. Golden poems of honor. Wow. I
2: feel so low. This has been such a good uh, a good season for you because you, you're just such a food fan. Mm-hmm. Where you're just like, nope, this is amazing and delicious. And you know what? <laughs> Those colors are beautiful. 9.1. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and they're not overplanted.
2: <laughs> you know what? This one, I agree, Alex. Not overplanted.
1: That's right. Hell yeah, man.
2: That is a stunningly good review. I think that's I think that's perfectly that's re, that's that's spot
1: on. Thanks, Case. Yeah,
2: except for I I gave it a little bit less because, you know,
1: your poems are your own. Hey, that's right. Casey, that was our review of the Meyer lemon. You know who else likes the Meyer lemon? <sighs> A returning guest chef, Spencer Huey, out of San Francisco, friend of the pod, I would Mm. call him. Spencer sent us, uh, I'll say, a mouth-watering recipe. Yeah,
2: that's fair to say.
1: The pictures are insane. Go look at those on our Instagram. Crispy chicken thighs with Meyer lemon salsa verde. Here's what Spencer has to say.
0: Hello, Casey, Alex, and listeners of Completely Arbitrary. This is Spencer, and I am from the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, I work as a cook at a restaurant called Chez Panisse in Berkeley, Um, and I love the Meyer lemon. It is just an amazing plant. Its fruit is extremely fragrant and flavorful. The zest is incredible. The juice is so flavorful and acidic, but also a little bit sweet. Uh, And You can use the whole thing as well. Um, a lot of people in the Bay Area, myself included, have uh, citrus plants, but especially Meyer lemon trees all around. Um, and so today I uh, have a recipe uh, that I'm calling Crispy Chicken Thighs with Meyer Lemon Salsa. And it is an amazing dish. Uh, we cook versions of this at the restaurant, and so it kind of adapted a recipe for home cooking. I make this all the time. If I had to choose one way to cook chicken, this would be it. Uh, Basically, the chicken is deboned, it's a thigh, and it's cooked low and slow, and the fat renders out, becomes like crispy and juicy and flavorful. The the skin becomes um, nice and golden brown and and crunchy as well. Uh, And then you top it with a Meyer lemon salsa verde. Uh, This salsa verde is not the Mexican type of salsa verde. This is an Italian herb sauce um, highlighting Meyer lemons. And so essentially, You take Meyer lemons and we're gonna use a zest of one and the other one you take, you make a Meyer lemon bits and you cut it lengthwise. You kind of cut out the fruit um, part and you you slice the skin and the pith, the zest and the pith together into fine slices. You turn them around 90 degrees and you chop them into finely little diced bits. So you take the zest and you take the bits, you mix them with uh, some chopped parsley, uh, grated garlic, finely chopped capers, um, a little bit of anchovy and salt. You mix it all together. You cover it with olive oil. And at the end, you put some red wine vinegar in there. And so you mix the sauce together. It is briny from the capers and anchovies. It is zesty and acidic from the vinegar and the lemons and herby from the parsley. Sauce is extremely flavorful. It's slightly salty and really bright with the acid. It goes well on everything. Um, anything from meats like this chicken or pork or beef to eggs, to grilled vegetables, to bread or pasta, whatever you want. It's a really fantastic uh, salsa to make and to put on different things. You can mix it up as well. So I love this recipe, I love this chicken. I love the Meyer lemon salsa. I think it's a great way to highlight the Meyer lemon. And it's a really easy recipe to cook. Another bonus recipe, I don't know if i call it a recipe, it's more of a technique that I do with my lemons, is preserved lemons. And the preserved lemons come from North African cooking. And what you do is you take a bunch of lemons and you quarter them lengthwise and you leave them a little attached at the end. And you pa- you open up the lemon, you throw some salt in there, and you take the lemons and you pack them in a jar. Kind of squish them all down and you keep packing with salt and lemons, salt and lemons, until the jar fills up and the lemons are kind of occupying all the space and all the lemon juices kind of kinda of come out and it's surrounded by salt and so that salt kind of preserves the lemon. As long as everything's covered, put a jar on loosely and leave it at on, on your countertop uh to kind of ferment for three to four weeks and then I'll move it to the fridge. Um but preserved lemons are fantastic and basically use them anywhere you would use salt. So you take the, the lemon out or the piece of lemon out you remove the fruit, and you, you actually get to use the skin. Rinse it underwater. Let it soak if it's a little too salty. Um, cut them in little cubes and fine dice and put them on, you know, mix them in the salsa, mix them in salads, put them on meat. They're fantastic and really, really delicious. So there's two things you can do with Meyer lemons. Um, remember, guys, that food brings people together, as does this podcast. So I wish you guys the best, and take care.
1: Casey! that guy's so sweet Alex. he's a, he's a sweetheart that was the that was the nicest thing anybody's ever said about this podcast certainly
2: yeah I'm glad that it, I'm glad that it brings people together and I agree that food does as well which is half the reason we want to do this because there's so much great information about the trees and how they've they've pulled together entire cultures around
1: them for sure I mean what's more communal than sitting around a table sharing food that's, yeah, exactly Talking that's as about trees. good as it gets man. oh <laughs> That's as good as it gets Thanks. for I had, me.
2: I had to jam that in there. <laughs> <laughs> it does get good. Uh, oh, my God. Well, thank you so very much for that recipe. Yeah. That was just incredible. Thank
1: you, Spencer. I, I uh, This recipe, I'm not kidding, looks incredible. Um, I, I say this all the time, but I, I, I must make it. It also yeah. is really, really simple. Any, I think probably anybody can make like this it. Thing. I'm curious
2: about that preservation of lemons. That's really fun. It yeah. Sounds, it sounds great. It's like, yeah, just jam them in there with salt. It <laughs> <food.">
1: <laughs> Leave it on the counter for yeah. four weeks. <laughs> um, James Lind approved. Thanks, Spence. Casey. Yes. It's time for a completely arbitrary Q&A. That sounds good to me. This week, our question is from Cole Simmonson. Okay. Cole says... Why do some pine diseases only affect trees with a specific number of needles per fascicle? Mm. For example, white pine blister rust, mm-hmm. which is my new favorite punk band, yeah. only affects those with five needle, needle fascicles. Blister rust. And to expand on that, what are the differences between pines with two, three, four, five needles? Is it only morphological... This has been a burning question for some time. Thanks, Casey and Alex. Love your show. Your humble fungal associate, Cole. Cole, thank you. Thank you, Cole. Case, isn't it true that all needle? And I'm not being. This is not a. I'm not being. Uh, this isn't like a a Buddhist thing to say. Okay. Yeah. That all needles start as one. Ugh,
2: dude, Alex. Thank you so much for saying that
1: and then they split off when they the, you know when the tree decides what they should be when the DNA <laughs> yeah. decides what they should be
2: um that is essentially correct
1: yeah because if you pull fi- if you there's if say you come across a five needle pine yeah for instance a just off the top of my head a, a five needle pine like <laughs> maybe the jeff turn white like the western white pine for instance (laughs) uh just one of the many five needle pines i know if you take all five needles and kind of squish them together with Mm -hmm. your fingers they sort of form on the outside sort of form a circle yeah like they come together naturally
2: exactly as if they're split like the uh like the little
1: wedges on a game of trivial pursuit how about they're split like a diced up, le- a cut up lemon.
2: Exactly. But that you like leave the wedges connected at the very bottom and they're covered with salt. Yeah, yummy. You got it right. That's exactly it. That is it. That's a four needle pine, though, I think, technically, if you, if you quarter the lemon. The reason that that's different is that they are uh, genetically similar and they're in subfamilies. So there's a couple different subfamilies in. Um, in pinus so there's the subgenus pinus the subgenus Strobus. those are like the two big ones and then those are further broken down into um smaller groups so like for instance the um the pinion pines and the what they call the hard pines and like things like that so like Mm. for instance under the Subgenus Pinus, there is um, Attenuate, and that has the fire-adapted closed-cone pines of California and neighboring areas. Pinus Attenuata, the knobcone pine, Maricata, which is the bishop pine, and then Radiata, which is the um, Monterey pine.
1: Sometimes when you talk about this stuff, it sounds like you're talking about Game of Thrones and the different houses. Ah, yes. Ah, This is House Attenuata. Of the south, of the southern California coast.
2: North of the bay, there's Pinus Radiata. Mm -hmm. Where they meet, they battle.
1: Their sigil is a fire-adapted cone.
2: Exactly, just with a fire behind it. That'd be so cool. We should make a bunch of sigils of pine cone families. Hey, (sighs) didn't we have this idea at one point? Maybe, but let's do it again. Let's do it. Oh, that's a great idea. Okay, um, so when you look back um, on these subgenus, subgenre rather, um, they're essentially what's called a clade. And a clade is a fully connected branch of a family tree, so to speak so as you are um, looking from all the different species you want to put the ones that are really closely related right next to each other and then those are connected you know on that family tree they're just two branches at the base Mm. then there's another one that's related to those in some way and you just kind of follow those branches all the way up until they become bigger and bigger branches where if you clip that branch wherever you clip it you could have two four five six seven eight all the different things so if you go to pinus you clip that branch you have every single pine tree at the end of all the twigs at the end of that branch yeah of the family tree of life right yes um so then if you go down those are all going to be split into clades and a clade would be one continuous branch so at some point way back when the five needle pines and their ilk they separated way or they separated genetically off so they're not necessarily so different to where they are not this, not a pine tree, they're just a different kind of pine tree. So, we decided okay, they are so closely related that they can be in one genus, however, they're not so closely related that they all get the same diseases because they've genetically split way, way long ago. Not enough to be, um, let's say the pinus this, 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 and then strobus this, 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 as in strobus is the genus. Does that make sense? Okay, so there's still these subfamilies. Essentially, quick answer to the question, we'll start from there, is that they are genetically different and they've separated such a long time ago that the diseases, and they've developed different woods, different ah. structures, different everything. They're not so different that they are like unrelated entirely. Mm-hmm. They're still really, really closely related, but they're so far away, it's like you're the cousin of your great-great-grandma and she her sister had a bunch of kids. Those kids had kids. Those kids had kids. And now you have like this, you're not even remotely closely related to those other kids. Right. But if you go back just three generations, you literally came from the same parents.
1: You're technically related, but you're so far apart, it feels as though you're not related.
2: Yes, exactly. And so that's how it is with the five needle pines and the three needle pines and the two needle pines and then the pinyon pines that are somewhere in between.
1: Oh, so- Okay, I think I just connected a dot. Ooh,
2: what is it? Okay. S-
1: or, or just, I, th- I think I finally understand what you're saying. Okay. That like two and three, four, and five needle pines mm. are less related to each other than two needle pines are related to two needle pines.
2: Yes. Exactly.
1: Interesting. So
2: the one that I just used, pinus uh, attenuata, *Maricata*, and radiata, uh-huh. those all have three needles. Oh. And they all have cones that are really similar. So they are one subsection. So they are really closely related. There's a bunch of subsections that are underneath a certain section that are underneath a sub—a certain subgenus. Hmm. Those two subgenuses are kind of the two and three needle pine, and then the five needle pines.
1: Okay, so the diseases that's why the diseases may not affect two needle pines the same way they'd affect five needle pines. Yes, exactly. Because all two needle pines are extremely closely related.
2: Yeah, and they have some weird genetic thing that is, or that, that they're just resistant to it. And maybe the white pine blister rust. It is really good, or maybe it had developed when there was only one five-needle pine, like way oh. back when that first split off. Then that disease was like, all right, cool, I'm going to get in you because you had this one mutation that caused you to have five needles, and then you became wildly successful, but you still had that same genetic mutation that this one disease could take advantage of. Interesting. So then that would happen, there's like... um uh, blue stain fungus generally only affects the two needle pines, so that would mm. have the um, Scotch pine and let's say the uh, lodgepole pine. Mm. Those are affected by blue stain bl- or blue stain fungus, but the five needle pines are not.
1: Interesting. And
2: then this, of course, goes up as you go up this this level of diversity. And now we say, well, spruces and pines and Douglas fir are really closely related, but they do not share. all Always the same fungal um, fungal associates. So the let's say Ganoderma, that fungus, it would only get into certain ones of these genus. They wouldn't get into all of the everything in the pine family. Okay. So it's basically the the quick answer is um, they're just separated enough that some have resistance as a group because that group split off from the other group a long time ago, then split into a bunch of other individual trees that all carried that same genetic uh, resistance with them down from that initial split. And then as you go up further and further, you get that more and more until you have this wild diversity between, you know, true cedars not having any sort of um, resist or any sort of decay pathogens that really get in. And then the true furs that have a ridiculous amount, they get in all the time. Yeah. So there you go. Wow. That is the the, the kind of quick answer, I guess. Shit. Well, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, it was
1: extremely comprehensive. Here's my PowerPoint presentation that I wrote <laughs> up for this.
2: No, yeah, it gets uh, yeah. Once it gets down to um, anything else, like you could you could look into you know how is the wood you know working, and this tree has a certain number of this or that that happens. But that I, I don't have all the answers for that, unfortunately. Just cool. the fact that it has something that makes it resistant to certain things, susceptible to other things, and its closely related but not too closely related cousins also do or don't have those things.
1: There you have it. Thank you so much, Cole, for your question. It really it really put a nickel in you, as, <laughs> as I say.
2: Yeah, that's that is that it's true. And I but just I don't... it was
1: interesting. That's uh, that's that's I learned something new today. Well, hey, there
2: you are. If you
1: have a question for Casey about trees, email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com. That's A-R-B-O-R-T-R-A-R-Y. Follow us on Instagram at arbitrarypod. Or you can support this little old podcast, patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. You can join the Arboretum for two bonus episodes a month about trees and other related topics, or you can join the Cone of the Month Club that we talked about at the top of the show. So I won't do it again. Casey. Yes, sir. Can I propose a sort of a. Uh, metaphorical toast we don't have any lemonade here yes that sounds great i think we should toast to frank meyer
2: i think we should alec that's a great idea
1: and we might as well toast to maybe a separate toast so that it doesn't diminish it to uh to our boy james lynn yeah
2: i think that's very fair i think both of those two they deserve it they did yeah. good they did good work and they they sacrificed for it yeah those poor sailors Here's... Whoever, whoever got the arsenic <laughs> can oh, we cheers for them too
1: God, yeah <laughs> Here's to the sailors.
2: Here's to the sailors. Here's to James Lind and, of course, our beloved Mr. Meyer.
1: Actually, I don't want a cheers to the sailors because they were on a nefarious mission. <laughs>
2: yeah, well, I guess they're true. They, well, they were just—they were soldiers just getting paid. But yeah, all right. That's fair. Well, all right. Well, it's really the
1: system really that failed them. Sad. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. An, an opposite cheers to the system. And a cheers to you for listening to this episode of Completely Arbitrary. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.
2: Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp.
1: Our artwork is by Gillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals.
2: And you can support the podcast at patreon.com arbitrarypod.
1: And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening.
2: Yes, Mr. Fairchild, it often seems that we do not live ourselves any longer, but that we are being lived. Uncontrollable forces seem to be at work among humanity, and final results, or possibly purposes, are not being revealed as yet, that is, for so far as I can look into this whole titanic cataclysm. Frank Meyer, May 18, 1918.